Hello, faithful listeners. Cheryl here from the Living With Me show. I just wanted to do a quick re-release of an old episode of ours uh, called Black Mirror Rewind. And it's where I analyzed and interpreted Black Mirror episode 15 Million Merits. Basically, I'm sitting at my desk and I'm writing the episode Prince's Matrix Speech Analysis and Interpretation, and it really reminded me of the episode of Black Mirror 15 Million Merits. And I went through all the episodes and I found it. So we're going to do a little re-release today. So let's go. Past episode of ours, Living With Me show, of Black Mirror Rewind, 15 Million Merits. Let's go. Check, one, two. Coming to you live from a closet at 5 a.m. in a North Carolina mountain town. It's snowing outside. This is episode two of Black Mirror Rewind. In this episode number two, we'll be covering 15 Million Merits. And of course, featuring the song, Anyone Who Knows What Love Is Will Understand. 1964 song written by Jenny Seeley and Randy Newman. The lyrics to the featured song are pretty intense. I'll read them at the end. Million Merits is the second episode of the first series of the British science fiction anthology series Black Mirror. It was written by series creator and showrunner Charlie Brooker, who I am like totally into, and his wife Connie Hug, and directed by Eros Lynn, and first aired on Channel 4 on December 11th, 2011. Okay, 2011. I just had to look up what songs and movies were popular in 2011. I have no idea what I was doing in 2011. I don't care. Okay, here's the best song in 2011. Someone Like You by Adele. And there's just a bunch of Beyonce, Lady Gaga, Lil Wayne. Okay? The best movies of 2011 by, according to the internet, I don't know, Bridesmaids. Which, I was like, who's this Melissa McCarthy? So Bridesmaids was funny. It made me laugh a couple times. Super 8, which was the biggest letdown ever. Limitless with Bradley Cooper and Another Earth, starring Britt Marling. It's a great movie. So one good thing came out in 2011, and I'm serious. I combed through the internet. And Another Earth, starring Britt Marling, is the only good thing that released in 2011. Please prove me wrong. Send me something. Okay. In a world where most of society must cycle on exercise bikes in order to power their surroundings and earn currency called merits, the episode tells the story of Bing, played by Daniel Kaluuya, you probably remember him from Get Out, who meets Abby, Jessica Brown Findlay, from Downton Abbey, never heard of it, and convinces her to participate in a talent show to escape the slave-like world around them. The episode is a science fiction dystopia which features a parallel to reality shows such as The X Factor and figures such as Simon Cowell. Yeah, there's a panel of judges and the audience, and 
It's just a free-for-all. Everybody's judging and being entertained. This episode received positive reviews. Some reviews praised the episode's visual style and thought-provoking nature, along with the actors' performances, and believe it to be superior to the previous episode, The National Anthem. Hmm, I mean, that's up for debate. (laughs) Other commentators argued the episode explored familiar tropes, but still complemented the execution of the story. Yeah, I mean, they're all great. That's what that says. Okay, a little more tidbit on this episode. Okay, although the second in the running order, this is the first episode to be written. Charlie Brooker, the show's creator, stated that the idea for this episode originated from when his wife, Connie Hug, who co-wrote the episode, when she remarked that he would be happy in a world where every wall was a screen. That's funny. I can see them, like, sitting in their recliners or whatever, and he was just loving the TV, loving the phone, loving the thing, loving this. And she was annoyed, probably, and said, you'd be so happy in a world where every wall was a screen. I love that. I love smart, creative couples. It's like some couples fight. Some couples write a TV show to make a point to their partner. You know, it's like, find something that works for you. Okay, so here we go. 15 million merits. Spoiler alert, right? I mean, do I have to say that? I don't know. So Bing, the main guy, he wakes up. We get to see what is a normal morning for him. He's on this, like, hard-looking bed, it looks. He kind of wakes up and rustles around, and everything around him, the walls, are all screens. And there's, like, a rooster crowing to wake him up. Like, Farmville or something. Very tiny room, cell-like. Screens everywhere. The moment he his feet hit the floor, gets up, puts on headphones. So, it's like, he's already been distracted since moment one of waking up. Boom, he's awake, he's got the screen. Boom, he gets up, he puts in the headphones. What's happening here, you know? It's distraction. Everything so far he's done, in the first, like, two minutes of the whole show, it's all distraction and unnecessary. Distraction and unnecessary. The Actually, the only real thing he did was brush his teeth. So after Bing gets ready, he goes out into, like, the communal area where... There's people just watching screens and riding on these electronic bikes. So we kind of get like an inside view on what's going on in this building. There's people playing violin, but there is no violin. The violin's on the screen, and they're moving their arms pretending to be playing violin. The people here that are on these bikes, they're pedaling away, pedaling away, and they're watching a screen being distracted so they can get through pedaling the bike. What I think is so great about this episode is it's a caricature of actual life for most people. It really boils everything down to actually what's happening in our lives. We are distracted 24-7, pedaling away. They collect merits. It's a form of currency. And they can spend that on things they think they want. So as they're pedaling, their merits go up. So as his daily life goes on, we see him talking to this person, that person. It's very dull, very drab. Everybody's pretty unhappy, and it seems to suck. But here's the deal. You can escape your current prison by trying out for this show called Hot Shot, sort of like American Idol. And if you win Hot Shot, then you get this glamorous life, and you get out of the cell that you're in. 
So it costs 15 million merits to try out for Hotshot. Another thing I really like about Black Mirror is the bathrooms are all unisex and the military is all mixed with both men and women and everybody and and I love how even though the show shows us you know warnings of technology the future how disconnected we are as people it shows us also how evolved we can be how men and women can coexist in the military together in the same barracks and they can just do that how they can just use the same bathrooms and it not be an issue because everybody just takes care of themselves and minds themselves and doesn't make a mess. Okay, so he's in the bathroom peeing and he hears a woman singing and it's pretty singing. And in his drab little world, their drab little world, everybody there is miserable, distracted, disconnected, and bored basically just floating around like a bunch of dust particles. So the woman comes out of the bathroom, they start talking. He's like, wow, uh, your voice is phenomenal. You should really try out for Hot Shot. And you can like tell she's cool, you know, she's not arrogant. They're setting her up that we're supposed to like her, so we do. He starts to encourage her to try out for the show Hot Shot because her voice is real and she's real and something needs to happen. So as time goes on, you know, they, they're talking and they're getting to know each other and making each other little origami penguins and, you know, it's like they're creating a connection. So Abby and Bing are getting pretty close, I'd say, hanging out. And uh, he explains to her that his brother died and left him like a bunch of currency, a bunch of merits, and that he would like to spend the 15 million merits to get her an audition on Hotshot. And of course she freaks out like saying, no, you can't do that. And he's like, look, my brother died. Like this is free money, but also what am I going to spend it on? Like shoes for my Bitmoji? You know, he says like, I like the way he views it. You know, what am I going to spend it on? Porn? (laughs) Like, (laughs) you know, he's like, please let me do something real. Let something real happen. Which I love, because Bing always, he puts so much emphasis on the word real throughout the middle and the end of the episode, and I love that. He's willing to spend 15 million merits, all of his money basically, just to experience something real, even if it's temporary. And I respect that. People are too afraid to do anything these days. They're too afraid. One thing I thought also was really awesome about the episode, one of my favorite aspects of it, is whenever Bing and Abby first met in the bathroom, they start to connect, like, immediately. And then an ad for porn pops up, like, on the wall or in his view. I I don't know exactly how it happened, but the ad for porn came up, and, like, they're like, oh, awkward. And so it breaks that real connection. He's laying in his room, and he's thinking about Abby. He's thinking about making his life better. Like, can we do this? Or, like, what's happening? And then, boom, an ad for porn comes up. Every time he starts to go down one path of real, the ad for porn comes up. Or some commercial comes on, a video game. Something to distract him from enlightenment, from self-realization. People don't want to be enlightened. It's too uncomfortable. It's not cool. It's boring. They don't want to feel uncomfortable. 
They want to watch shows. And that's cool. I swear. I mean, I do that sometimes. We're all guilty of that, of hiding. Okay, so he finally convinces her to try out for Hot Shot. So he's like, all right, I'm going to walk you there. Like, let's do this shit. Shit's happening. Vibes are good. Like, they definitely have a connection. This shit's happening. So they're going in the elevator. They hold hands. It's sweet. It's believable. If you put yourself there with them, feeling great about spending this money, she's feeling scared and hopeful and excited and something real is happening. It's almost just like this huge gamble. But it's brightened up both of their worlds, even just for this day. So they go to the audition. He gets this weird hand stamp that lasts for like two months for like the entry. Then they rush, you know, come on, rush, rush, rush. You know, it's a very Hollywood. Rush, rush, rush. We're the most important thing ever. And they go into this room where there's a bunch of people like practicing. They're going, la, 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 you know, whatever, like getting ready to perform or sing. It's just hustle and bustle. Everybody's freaked and nervous. So the powers that be, the judges or whatever of Hotshot, they see her come in and they're like, we want her right now. Skip everybody, just bring her in. And of course, everybody gets mad and blah, blah, blah. So she gets rushed, you know, rushed in. So the judges want her now. They want her now. So, you know, Hollywood calls and you have to drop everything and, and, and screw you. You're a maggot. So come on in. So right before she goes on stage, they say, well, you have to drink this drink. It's called compliance. And I mean, basically, it's like a date rape drug. It makes you compliant. So the lady forces her to drink that drink. So she goes out on stage and people start telling her to lift up her shirt because he has to see those titties. I mean, so they're just basically commenting on her looks, commenting on her body, saying they want to see her naked, and it's pretty darn uncomfortable. Mob mentality in the background. Everybody's little emoji is sitting there or whatever, participating, but they're really just in their cells. Chaos kind of breaks out, then she starts singing the song. I'm just going to read the lyrics now. I, I love the song, and I love the lyrics. It's so dark, and I feel like if any of us have loved, we've at least loved like this once, and it's just so horrible. Okay, here's the lyrics. You can blame me, try to shame me, and I'll still care for you. You can run around, even put me down. Still, I'll be there for you. The world may think I'm foolish, they can't see you like I can. Oh, but anyone who knows what love is will understand. I just feel so sorry for the ones who pity me, because they just don't know. Oh, they don't know what happiness love can be. I know to ever let you go. Oh, it's more than I could ever stand. Oh, but anyone who knows what love is will understand. Pretty uh, intense. So she sings, uh, it's captivating, everybody loves it. And she brings the house down. They then go on, they, meaning the panel of judges, the three judges, they talk about her looks, how her looks will affect people and make them feel while watching her sing, how people will fantasize about her and want to have sex with her while she's singing. So here's to the point in the episode, which are in a... A few Black Mirror episodes, the Faustian bargain, selling your soul to the devil. It's never a good thing. Like, when are we going to learn? I think we've all seen enough TV by now. 
to not like sell your soul. So basically the panel's like, okay, look, you're the bomb. Uh, we want to make you rich, get you out of your cell, and uh, you will have riches and pleasures beyond anything you could ever imagine, anything you want. Everybody will love and adore you, plus like all this other stuff. Uh, you just have to go along with what we're doing. And hey, th- some people love that. Like, that's cool, you know? And I'm not hating on anyone who does a Faustian bargain or sells their soul at all. I mean, that's a cool experience. Like, wow, you know, that's like walking on the moon, you know, life is about experiences and pain and happiness. And, you know, that's cool. But I'm just saying she's being presented the Faustian bargain. And you're like, hell no, this isn't going to end well. But it's kind of cool, too, because as they're like trying to talk her into it, into like, you know, crossing over to their thing, you can see her process and you can put yourself there and go, damn, what would I do? You go, hmm, I was just pointing my finger at this chick and I might do it too. And that's what's so great about it is you see her process and you see that they say exactly what she needs to hear and she's putty in their hands, really. She's saying, I want to get there, but you need to get me there. So she's standing on stage. She's crying in front of everybody. She's taking it in. She's processing. Everybody's going, do it, do it. All the bitmojis in the background because what are they doing? They're sitting in their cells beating off. They aren't doing shit. They're not doing shit. And they just want to be entertained for five seconds. Do it. Do it. She had been giving Bing the love eyes from the stage when she was singing. He's backstage. She's like singing to him, communicating like, yeah, dude, like I'm down. He's like, yeah, I'm down. Everything's great. She was killing it. Basically, what they're saying is Bing and her had a real connection. And then boom, this greed, ego, fame, Faustian bargain, you know what I mean? Demolished all of that in 10 seconds. So she's taken away. He's taken away. I can't remember exactly how it happened. It was lame, I'm sure. So basically, they're separated. We we get scenes of him riding his bike, laying there in bed. He's depressed. Where is she? What's she doing? What am I doing? I'm here in my cell. I don't have any more money. I'm happy for her, but like it doesn't look like it was going to be kind of a good thing. So he's worried for her. He is bored. He doesn't know what to do. He's laying in bed thinking about her. And then boom, an ad comes up. A sex porno ad comes up, you know, trying to get him to buy to watch the porn. And it's her. It's Abby. And she looks like a freaking sex trafficking victim, which is what she is. I mean, this episode is about sex trafficking, too. She looks like Courtney Love from the 90s. Like a baby doll dress and, like, smeared makeup. And some guy is, like, sticking his thumb in her mouth. And he, Bing is seeing this from his cell as an ad. And he starts freaking. Freaking. It's obvious that this girl is not into this. She looks like a freaking sex trafficking victim. And she's about, he's about to see her get nailed by some other dude. So, needless to say, this upsets Bing. He starts freaking. He starts hitting the walls. He starts breaking the things, the screens, and this and that. This huge shard of glass falls down on the floor. He starts to cut his hand. Just out of anger, right? Just, he wanted to cut that hand stamp off from the tryout. Just F everything them and F my hand and F it all. And he's like, no, I'm not going to do that. Puts the shard of glass under his bed. 
He's got his inspiration now. We don't know what's happening, but we know Bing is thinking and shit's about to go down. He's riding his bike. You know, the music is playing. He's They're showing him riding his bike. They're showing him thinking. They're showing him doing this. So the shots are showing us that he's getting his shit together. He's earning money and shit's about to go down. He's got a plan. Also in that video, they did like a little interview with her and she looked really horribly sad and empty and miserable. And she says, I'm, I'm on the other side now. My life's like a dream. I'm living in a beautiful place. I have all the hot guys I want, all the beautiful things that I could want, and I'm very happy. But it's obvious that she's not. They set it up that it was obvious to us that she wasn't happy. So Bing finally, of course, gets his 15 million merits worked up and just riding that bike, riding that bike, putting his nose to the grindstone. He says, cool, I just love the pedaling analogy. I love it. It is a caricature of most of our daily lives. Pedaling, pedaling, pedaling away. Doing our mindless shit to get shit that leads us nowhere except away from enlightenment. Okay, let's keep it moving. We're almost done. He spends the 15 million merits. He's like, I'm going to try out for Hot Shot. I'm going to infiltrate this shit. Which is great. I would have done the same thing. Except some people would have died if I was there. Okay. He puts the shard of glass in his pants. He's basically going to try and save her from sex trafficking, I think. He's in the waiting room. He's in there with all the people practicing again. He's, you know, redoing the thing. Okay, here we go. Boom. He takes the stage. Yeah, and he didn't drink the, uh, the compliance drink because he had an empty box and he fooled them. So he's not drugged. He's not distracted. He's not hypnotized by unrealness. So they're like, okay, what are you going to do? He goes, I'm an entertainer. So he starts dancing. He's not a good dancer. I mean, I guess. I don't know. It just seemed very awkward and funny. Or maybe he was just acting that way. But anyways, it's a pretty great scene because you're like, whoa, this guy can't dance. What's going to happen? So he stops dancing and he puts that shard of glass up to his throat, and he stops dancing. He's very serious. He says he's going to kill himself, and he has something to say. And of course, oh, it's dramatic. It's TV, so, you know, everybody's into it. Well, shit. Yeah, you got a damn shard of glass to your throat. I want to hear what you got to say. And there's just so much good stuff in it. I I'm just going to play it. Speak! I haven't got a speech. I didn't plan words. I didn't even try to. I... I just knew I had to get here, to stand here, and I knew I wanted you to listen. To really listen, not just pull a face like you're listening, like you do the rest of the time. A face like you're feeling instead of processing. You pull a face and poke it towards the stage, and we, we la-dee-da, we sing and dance and tumble around, and all, and all you see up here, it's not, it's not people. You don't see people up here, it's all fodder. And the faker the fodder is, the more you love it, because fake fodder is the only thing that works anymore. Fake fodder is all, is all that we can stomach. Actually, not quite all. Real pain, real viciousness, that we can take. Yeah, stick a fat man up a pole and we'll laugh ourselves feral, because we've earned the right, we've done so the time, and he's slacking the scum, so ha-ha-ha at him. Because we're so out of our minds with desperation, we don't know any better. All we know is fake fodder and buying shit. That's how we speak to each other, how we express ourselves is buying shit. Well, I have a dream. The peak of our dreams is a, is a new hat for our doppel. A hat that doesn't exist. It's not even there. We buy shit that's not even there. Show us something real and free and beautiful. You couldn't. Yeah? It'd break us. 
You're too numb for it. Our minds will choke. There's only so much wonder we can bear. That's why when you find any wonder whatsoever, you dole it out in meager portions. And only then, till it's augmented and packaged and pumped through 10,000 pre-assigned filters, till it's nothing more than a meaningless series of lights while we ride day in, day out, going where? Powering what? All tiny cells and tiny screens and bigger cells and bigger screens and fuck you! Fuck you! That's what both start doing. Fuck you! People don't want real experiences. They don't want pain. They don't want joy. They just want to exist. And hold on and wait for this thing to be over. <laughs> you know? But there are people out there that want to be awake, that want to live, and that want to feel deep pain and deep happiness, and don't want to be distracted. I want to be with those people. I want real. This episode is pretty important. It's big. So, to the end of the episode, they of course love him because he's dramatic and entertaining and that's what TV wants. So the guy says to Bing, I love what you have to say. I'm going to give you two half an hour slots once a week. And he's like, for what? He goes, just for being you. Just, uh, you know, you can be the opposition. That's cool. You can talk bad about this and all of that. But you can do it in a much bigger cell or a much bigger room. You can have lots of fancy things. He makes the Faustian bargain, sells his soul. Maybe you would. Maybe I would. You know, I'm not judging. The devil knows exactly what to say. So he becomes basically like controlled opposition. Controlled opposition is when a deliberate attempt is made to either create an opposing effort to an existing power base or to obtain control of any position. Nearly all governments in history have employed this technique to trick, co-opt, and subdue their adversaries. Controlled opposition involves a political organization used as a front in order to disseminate information useful to an ideology opposed to a third party. So, yeah, he talks bad about the system that employs him. And that's cool with the opposition because he's controlled. I love this quote by uh, Vladimir Lenin. The best way to control the opposition is to lead it ourselves. So there's your history lesson. So yeah, so there you go.
if they try love, they'll understand. 